It's a matter of educate people that they should not fear the night, that the night is part of our ecosystem. Think how many animals, how many insects have nocturnal habits. They need the night to survive while other animals, and humans in this case are <laughs> animals, they need to sleep. Hello Space Watchers, I am Emma, Senior Editor of Spacewatch Global, and this is a new episode of Space Cafe Radio, your radio channel dedicated to emerging trends and live conferences in the space sector. The guest of today is Patrizia Caraveo, who is the research director at ENAF, the Italian National Institute of Astrophysics. Patrizia, welcome to Space Cafe Radio. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks. Patrizia, you wrote a book edited by Springer titled Saving the Starry Night, Light Pollution and Its Effects on Science, Culture and Nature. And in this period, we tend to speak a lot about space, but also we define space only as a new ec- economic resource. But maybe it's worth it to remember that space is also an environmental dimension, exactly like uh, the sea or a forest, and it must be preserved from pollution. The primary source of pollution sometimes when we speak about space is atmospheric pollution, but you discussed another type of alteration, which is light alteration. So what is light pollution and why we should be concerned about that? Light pollution, it's an effect uh, of uh, our society. Let's say we have uh, a very deeply rooted uh, fear of uh, of the night, and uh, now we uh, have uh, the means to light up the night. So we tend to light up our environment too much, too much because uh, we we tend to use. Uh, too many sources of light and uh, we like uh, to see very bright lights uh, and uh, these are not needed at all since our eyes are very good in seeing also with weak lights and uh, we do not consider the fact that the light is useful to just illuminate the ground where we want to walk. The light is not useful at all when we send it toward the sky and uh, nor toward the horizon. All uh, lights not uh, directed towards uh, the ground is uh, useless. And uh, it's not only useless, it's a waste of energy. And uh, as a byproduct, it uh, illuminates the sky and uh, this hampers view of the of the stars if uh, too too much light uh, switch off uh, the stars and so uh, we have to learn uh, to respect uh, the dark also because darkness it's uh, it's a part of our environment uh, it's uh, ecologically very useful but uh, we were discussing uh, not just about uh, this light pollution, 
the one we produce by lighting the night on the ground. But we are now experiencing a new type of light pollution, which is linked to the proliferation of satellites very high number of satellites uh, which uh, are supposed to form constellations uh, to uh, just cover the entire planet, in this case to provide uh, internet connection uh, from uh, the orbit. These are uh, thousands uh, of uh, satellites which are being launched uh, up to now, Starlink, uh, the constellation uh, which is the brainchild of Elon Musk, uh, has uh, reached uh, more than 2,000 satellites uh, in orbit. Uh, and uh, those satellites uh, have been designed uh, uh, in a very strange way, in a sense, uh, I call it, uh, I call them uh, kitchen tables, since uh, they are really uh, flat. <laughs> Why? <laughs> but uh, they are flat. Uh, usually a satellite uh, is a cylinder, it's a cube, uh, is uh, some kind of solid form. While uh, these are almost bidimensional, they are just a table and a pretty solid one, uh, something like uh, two and a half meter by one meter. I mean, you can sit a number of guests uh, around uh, these satellite tables and the fact of being so flat uh, make them very reflective when uh, the sun uh, is uh, just touching them uh, in a quasi-incidence uh, radiation. These happen when um, on the ground uh, it's already dark, so it's uh, either before dawn or after the sun set. It's a very peculiar geometry. On the ground, uh, there is no more uh, illumination by the sun, but the sun still illuminates uh, the satellites since uh, they are three, four, five hundred kilometers above us and uh, they become very bright. Can we see them from Earth, like from the ground? Uh, yes, when uh, they are just being launched, they are inserted uh, in a relatively low orbit. 250, 300 kilometers. Since uh, the, the satellites uh, are tested right away, and uh, if someone, because they are launched uh, in bunches of uh, 50 to 60 satellites uh, in uh, one single launch, and so they deploy, and uh, in this case, uh, they are uh, all near, one after the other, and they are uh, pretty low and so pretty bright. They make trains of lights easily seen when they cross the sky, and people are struck by these sights 
And they think they have detected extraterrestrial objects. <laughs> uh, there are the, the, the surge uh, and the call uh, to the UFO call center. Uh, and uh, I saw a, a train of light. Uh, it must be a UFO. Uh, no, uh, they are not. Uh, they are Elon Musk satellites. This is it's, very interesting. Uh, oh, but I mean, uh, uh, I, I too have received mails from uh, journalists asking, I saw these train of flights. Uh, what are they? Could they be extraterrestrial? <laughs> and they say, no, they are very terrestrial. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you define the sky as a cultural heritage. This is extremely interesting considering that the majority of the space discourse at the moment revolves around the sky being an empty resource to use and fill up to reach the moon. So why do you think that the sky is a cultural part of uh, our identity? Because uh, the roots uh, of our culture and of uh, more or less all the cultures uh, of all the civilizations uh, in planet Earth uh, are uh, linked uh, to the stars. Think to the Greek uh, mythology, everything uh, you can think of is linked uh, to a constellation. And this uh, uh, gives you really an idea on uh, how familiar were our ancestors uh, with the stars. The sky was the calendar of our ancestors. They uh, decided uh, when uh, it was time uh, to work uh, on the field, uh, looking at the stars. Orion is uh, the hunter and uh, at the European latitude. Orion is bright uh, in autumn when it's time to go hunting. You also mentioned the issue of electromagnetic pollution uh, as affecting radio waves. Is this uh, a potential issue for, uh, for example, astronomical research? Like, I don't know, we won't be able to detect uh, the signal from deep space or from a black hole if we keep crowding the sky with the satellites, constellation and unnecessary lights. Uh, satellites uh, not only reflect lights, uh, which uh, hamper optical astronomy, but uh, they also produce uh, electromagnetic signal. They talk uh, with the ground, uh, with their clients, let's say, on the ground uh, through microwaves. And microwaves uh, pertain uh, to the radio domain. So, yes, satellites are killers for radio astronomy, since uh, the signal from a satellite is way stronger than uh, a cosmic signal. When I say way stronger, I mean millions, billions of times stronger. So there is um, already ongoing uh, negotiation, let's say, between the radio astronomical observatories and the constellations, uh, since the satellite must be aware that uh, they are flying over a radio observatory and must behave in the sense that uh, they can be temporarily switched off uh, 
or uh, they can carefully avoid uh, pointing uh, toward uh, the radio dishes. Since the lights uh, do have a share of uh, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, this uh, can be done, but uh, effort should be done uh, in order to really work uh, towards collaboration between satellite uh, operator and radio astronomers. Do they actually do that? I know you are still active in astronomy, so are you aware that when they are near a radio wave telescope, do satellites shut down or limit the emission or... Well, does it actually happen? They are not obliged in the sense that uh, a very small fraction um, is uh, dedicated only to radio astronomy. So those wavelengths cannot be used uh, for transmission by satellites. But uh, satellites uh, can transmit uh, in nearby wavelengths. Uh, and if, uh, let's say, the transmitters are not uh, perfectly calibrated, they can uh, just um, intrude uh, also in the uh, wavelengths uh, dedicated only to radio astronomy. And so these uh, must be carefully controlled, in a sense. This is one question. And this is being done. The other question is that uh, in order to do observation also in uh, other parts of the radio spectrum, which is not uh, protected, uh, which is not uh, fully dedicated to radio astronomy, my uh, radio astronomer colleagues uh, must find uh, a compromise. And uh, this uh, is being worked out. You, you must understand that constellations are a very young problem. The first um, launch of uh, Starlink satellites, uh, the first uh, 60 Starlink satellites were launched uh, in May 2019. Up to them, uh, the only trouble for radio astronomers uh, were satellites uh, working and transmitting uh, in geostationary orbit, which are much further away, and uh, they are fixed. They do not move uh, with respect to Earth. So they knew how to built their observing program in order to avoid them. On the contrary, the constellation satellites are at low orbit, and so they move continuously. And so it's not at all easy to try to avoid them. But it should be the satellite which do something to avoid being a nuisance over the radio telescope. Remember that uh, radio telescopes are built uh, in very remote places, which uh, were selected because they were very radio quiet. So they are in uh, desert uh, places, uh, in Australia, in South Africa, etc. The places were selected in order to be the quietest possible, but uh, satellites are everywhere at this point. 
So in your book, you explicitly say that darkness must be protected, which is a definition that I really like. Darkness must be protected. How shall we do it? <laughs> it's a matter of uh, inform people, educate uh, people that they should not uh, fear the night, uh, that the night uh, is part uh, of our ecosystem. Think uh, how many animals, uh, how many insects uh, have uh, nocturnal habits. They need the night to survive. While other animals, uh, and uh, humans in this case are <laughs> animals, they need uh, to sleep. Uh, and so they need the darkness to sleep. So the darkness uh, is important to protect, uh, for instance, biodiversity. The darkness is important uh, for the survival of many species of insects. And insects are a very important step in the chain that goes all the way to us. Uh, we are right now living uh, in what uh, uh, it's called uh, the apocalypse uh, of the insects, uh, since uh, the number of insects uh, is dropping at an alarming rate. And this is uh, very bad for uh, our ecosystem, it's very bad for the biodiversity, and uh, bright lights, lights of the wrong colors, can be in part responsible for such loss. I think in a summer night, you see a bright street light, chances are that there is a cloud of insects around these lights. And those insects are not where they should be in a very high percentage. They will end up dying out of exhaustion since they will be flying all the night long around these lights. So preserving the night is not only good for having the possibility to enjoy the stars, uh, to enjoy the beauty of the cosmos. But uh, it's also something uh, we should learn to protect uh, because uh, it protects uh, the environment. Darkness uh, is part of uh, ecology. Our environment uh, to prosper needs uh, darkness. And uh, too much light, uh, it's very detrimental also for our health. If we spend uh, hours and hours in front uh, of a computer screen uh, at night, uh, we then experience a uh, problem uh, to sleep uh, later on, since uh, uh, the computer produces uh, blue lights, uh, and the blue light uh, is the light uh, that uh, affects uh, our day and night uh, rhythm, what is called uh, the circadian cycle. And uh, so it's, it's very unhealthy also for human being uh, not respect the night. Yeah, I live in a very light polluted area near a shopping mall. 
So I perfectly understand what you mean. And I, I, I would love that we could have the chance to discuss about this more in depth, because as you say, people have to be educated about it. So, uh, Patrizia, thank you very much for being with us today. And let's hope that we're not going to make of the sky the same we made with the forests and the oceans. And I would love to have the chance to discuss with you again about this topic. Thank you. Thank you to all. And if you want to keep the pulse of the space industry, please visit our website at www.spacewatch.global and subscribe to our newsletters. And of course, don't forget to become a space watcher. I'm Emma Gatti, Senior Editor of Space Watch Global, your independent perspective on space. See you next time. Ciao.